0: is giving birth the same as in the movies well find out more on this episode of call me hello and welcome back to call me papa my name is isaac and this is my audio blog about my journey as a new dad well, I get quite a few questions on what's the birthing process like and and how is it like for dads, right? So I thought I'd write an episode about it. Now, first things first, I need to disclaim, this is my story. And it's a rather dramatic story. So this is not meant to put the hospital to shame, nor is it a rent. I've accepted it as it is what it is, but it's given me a more exciting story to tell at family gatherings. So... Let's rewind the clock a little bit back to September 2020. By this time, Irene and I were fairly prepared with what was meant to go down. We had our bags packed and ready. We knew we weren't going to freak out and, you know, just take our time. Because that seems to be the the one common uh, piece of advice we were given from our friends who had their first kid. Um, But again, in 2020, it was right smack in the middle of COVID, right? And there were, there was no like postnatal classes or antenatal classes that uh, we were actually invited to. So um, all that we knew was really very much based on whatever Google told us or whatever our friends shared with us about. And What seemed to be a bit of an unknown precursor was a Masterclass video. You know Masterclass, that series where they get experts from all over the place to basically share uh, their craft and the different things you need to look out for. And I was watching one about writing movies uh, by Judd Apatow, uh, the director of 40-Year Virgin and a great series called Freaks and Geeks. And, and Jad Apatow is really, really funny. He, he is a comedian and he, and he writes all sorts of really weird, interesting stories. And I remember this clearly because Jada was talking about a film he had made called Knocked Up. And Knocked Up is a movie about a drunken one-night stand, right? Uh, and, and, and he mentions this famous line, uh, and I must, it must, this is a paraphrase, right? There's a movie scene everywhere, you just need to look for it. Or something to that effect, and, and he proceeds to talk about a scene in the movie in Knocked Up, which was a real-life account of his experience when his wife was giving birth. Fast forward to the morning of 14th of September, I'm woken up by a running shower at about 6.30am. It, it was still pretty unusual, right? Since my wife is one of those people who, you know, practice the art of not showering in the morning, uh, she gets out of the shower and I look up at her and she and she says in her most morning friendly voice, uh, my mucus plug dislodged and my water is leaking. Uh, not not exactly a good morning message, but for those of you who are unaware, uh, the mucus plug is literally, as the name suggests, it, it's like a sink plug. It, it forms at the cervical canal to prevent bacteria from entering the uterus and reaching the baby. Google it, but it's not for the faint-hearted. So... I, I calmly sit up from bed and, and suggest to her in the most reassuring manner that um, the first thing we need to do is the chores. Now, you might be wondering why. Uh, why chores? Shouldn't we have been frantically running out of the house, grabbing the bags, making sure everything was done? Well, we, we were kind of advised by the hospital and I think this is common practice. You, you, you call the hospital the delivery line uh, and, and someone on the other line basically advises you based on your generic symptoms at that time, uh, how you should proceed. So we were advised by the hospital that we didn't need to rush in uh, and all our friends I mentioned earlier who had children before advised us, you know, to really get a good meal in because it could be a long time before we got to eat again. So, like responsible soon-to-be parents, I decided that the best thing to do was chores. So I put in a round of clothes for washing, Uh, I vacuumed and mopped the house at 6.30 in the morning, I apologized to all my neighbors at that time, Uh, did my last check, switched off all the power and proceeded to go to... McDonald's um, and we had to do all these things because we were going to go for confinement uh, which is a fairly Asian practice I understand uh, where we spent uh, about the first month of birth uh, actually over at my mom's place uh, because we needed help and we needed help to, to learn to be parents and also to kind of take care of uh, the baby um, and while mom basically recuperates but we decided that the best thing to do at that point in time uh, was to go to McDonald's and, and have an amazing meal and, you know, to make sure that we we, we really kind of checked off the, the list of, of getting a good breakfast in um, before proceeding to the car and heading off to the hospital. Now, the pro tip for those of you who are driving to the hospital is look out for valet options because valet options here in, in hospitals tend to allow you to, you know, for cheap Uh, you you basically pay a flat fee of $8.50 or $10 for a whole day's worth of parking and it beats paying over like $20 to $30 on parking because you know you just went straight to the the public car park in the hospital so if the hospital you're going to and this should be done months ahead right has valet parking scout it out talk to the valets make sure you understand how the system works and it really really does save you a lot of money over the 2 to 3 days that you might be spending in the hospital Now, when we reached, we were actually escorted to A and E upon arrival. It was a bit weird, and at the time, we were a bit clueless because we had been given instructions that we were meant to go to a delivery suite. But you know what? It was COVID. We we didn't we didn't have much questions. We just followed, and we went to A and E. And obviously, due to the pandemic, uh, we had to be separated. So Irene went into A and E by herself, while I proceeded to sit outside with all our luggage. And and again, another pro tip, right? Pack a luggage. Now, preferably the ones that you can roll around because the one thing you don't want to do, and, and, and this is the thing that they don't tell you, they tell you what to pack, right? But they don't tell you, they're going to give you stuff. So when you're discharged, when you, you're just getting out of the, the hospital and you, you're getting discharged, there's there's a, a lot of things you need to carry. You have to carry the baby, you have to carry new diapers, you have to carry hampers, your friends deliver hampers to you um, and all sorts of other nonsense that really uh, takes up a lot of space. So try and pack a luggage, you know, preferably a proper luggage, the one with wheels that you can roll around uh, everywhere you go, all right? Now, so at this time, it was about 9.30 to 10 a.m. when we first got into the hospital, and we waited till about 1 p.m. Uh, when we were sent to a room, uh, and that was where uh, the gynae dropped by, and usually by the time they come by, they, they really just need to check how, how the mum is, uh, and they need to check dilation, um, and at this time, Irene was only one cm dilated. Now, in order for a baby to be birthed, you actually need ten cm's worth of dilation. Okay, so we were told that it was going to be a wild. Uh, a friend of ours who went in uh, with a one cm dilation was actually sent home, right? Because it could actually take quite a long time uh, for a full dilation to happen. So. We managed to request for the baby to be induced and at this stage the gynae will insert a pill into the vagina and this will help to induce birth. However, only one pill can be taken every six hours and that there was a maximum number of pills that we could take. I, I can't remember the number now. And so Irene and I expected to honestly be there for at least another day. At about 4pm, that was when we got moved to our ward. Uh, and we actually had requested for a private single room and thankfully there was space because they were telling us prior to that that uh, it was really subject to availability. So thankfully we had a private single room uh, where the mum has a bed, the father gets a couch, it's a precursor to real life. Um, But it was definitely more comfortable for the both of us. Uh, And that was when the contractions began. Um, And again, according to Irene, uh, the... They really felt like serious period cramps that came in waves. Uh, The doctors were actually strapped the belly with a reader of some sort, kind of like one of those readers that you see in the movies that measure the earthquakes or when like you know Godzilla appears, right? So at about five thirty, we could actually see the contractions getting uh, bigger. Uh, At this stage, you physically see the stomach kind of like wobble a little bit. And this was when uh, Irene was was really in a lot of pain uh, and she was gripping the sides of the bed really tightly as each wave of pain came upon her. And I think this was something that uh, we definitely couldn't prepare for neither could we be clear about how painful it was going to be me being the helpful husband, uh, decided to, you know, continuously ask her what her pain score was. Uh, uh, and obviously, I, I was being the pain to her. But at about 6 p.m., I looked at Irene and, and, and her face said it all. You know, at this time, she she was really losing it and, and we had been bugging the nurses to bring us to the delivery suite. So at 6 p.m., I had turned my bugging to demand and we told the nurses that honestly, it was either the delivery suite or here. And they had to decide because Irene was soon to pop. Um, and that was when the nurse instructed me to go and get the lift uh, as they attempted to unplug the hospital bed. Uh, all respect to the nurses. But these two nurses that were in this ward weren't what I would call the fittest of nurses. Um, so I, I hit the lift button and I ran back. Uh, and I and and they were trying to push the bed and, and they were moving... Rather slowly and 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 weirdly and and so I, I I volunteered to take over pushing the bed, as the two nurses basically jiggled their way to the front and to, to tap open doors and access with uh, with their access cards, and and this was literally a scene out of the movies and and I'm not kidding when 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 Judd Apatow's words came to mind right we, we because we were literally running, and it's amazing just how tight hospital corridors are. Um, we, we were led through a, a staff-only corridor as we pushed um, from one end of the hospital to the other end of the hospital where the delivery suite was. So this, this was my movie moment, right? And... It was, it was I literally, and I, I kid you not, I literally had to shout for people to get out of the way as the nurses tried to desperately keep up right, with us running and pushing this bed. Uh, and we pushed our way into the delivery suites to the surprise of all the other nurses there and all the staff there because they definitely weren't expecting us and they had barely cleared out the room from the last person who had given birth. I think it was at that time when it clicked in my mind where there was just so many pregnancies that day, and so many women were giving birth at that time, and and really the reason for all the delay and I think all the the, the lack of space was was really because everyone was giving birth on that day, and it, and it was a mad situation because we got in and the hospital bed again barely fit into the corner, and we had to carry Irene from one bed to the actually the delivery gurney which was inside a room, and this was when. I got pushed to to like a, a stack of documents. And this is after running for about maybe 150, 200 meters uh, or even more, I can't remember, like from one end to the other, but weaving in and out of human traffic, right? And this is where they pushed me along a, a, a big stack of, of documents. And they said, read this to your wife. And I was like why she's giving birth she doesn't need a story but she, they were like read this to your wife because she wants to take an epidural and she needs to know the legalities behind it so you need to read it to her and and read it out loud so that she's clear and 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 once she approves we will administer the epidural now this was me panting and reading this stupid long ass legality thing as i saw my wife basically lying on a bed whinging in pain and i I was quite sure she wasn't listening to the calming voice that I had panting through the long-ass disclaimer. But just to give you an understanding of the epidural, it is actually a painkiller that is administered to help a a woman through the process of labor, that moment where contractions get tougher and tougher. Uh, But epidural is something that is only temporary for that moment. Uh, During the birth moment, epidural has to actually be dialed back in order for the woman to have control again over uh, the the cervix and over the area for for pushing to happen, okay? Now, I, I want to say I'm not a medical student and if I've got any of those facts wrong, I apologise to all you medical people out there, so please check me in the comments. Let me know where I've gotten wrong in my facts. But from my understanding, an epidural can only be administered when a woman is between 3 to 8 cm dilated, Okay? So she had to be between 3 to 8 cm dilated in order to receive an epidural. And so back to, back to the situation, I was running, I reached in, I'm panting, I'm reading this legal document and then they come and tell us that basically, oh, Irene was at 9 cm. I was like, wait, you just made me read all that for nothing. And at 9 cm, basically an epidural cannot, can no longer be administered because it's too late. So that was one bad news that Irene had because she was really looking forward to having the epidural. But you know what? We just went, it doesn't matter. Give her the gas. Um, and then we got the news of a lifetime. And and this this news tops it off, right? Like they basically came in and said, your gynae is unavailable. She has a family emergency. And And in my mind, I was honestly freaking out. And the only thing I could say was, I don't care who delivers my child so long as another guy is available. And they were like, yes, we're getting another gynae to come by. Uh, she, is she so-and-so. And I'm just like, I, I don't care at this stage. I really don't care. I just want to make sure that my wife is safe. I just want to make, my, make sure my baby is safe. And yeah, you know, whoever was available for help, please come. Um, again, I think in, on hindsight, that was panic talking, right? I think... Um, if they had told me any earlier than 9 cm, I probably would have been a lot more angry. Uh, but this again, uh when once once you kind of understood the whole situation where there was not enough people, there was not there, it was just a frantic mess that day in the delivery suite. Um we just had to kind of be to to really be dealt the cuts we were dealt with and and to deal with it as as per what the situation was. Um so so we were edging closer towards the birth. Um, and Irene was basically put on gas to try and suppress a bit of the pain, and and now usually, again from my understanding of speaking to friends and, and, and watching shows, uh, the dads stand beside the mother who is in pain uh, and hold their hands, right, and occasionally maybe get like punched or kicked or, you know, uh, bitten into, it. and that's the most dramatic scene that we see. And some hospitals even set up a a tent, a physical tent between uh, the mother's belly and and, and what's going on down there when the baby is coming out. And the father stands on the side of of where the mom is uh, and, and just basically being a punching bag. Now, remember how I told you that there wasn't room earlier and that's because a lot of babies were born, right? So due to the high volume of babies born, manpower was equally scarce. So we didn't have a tent, We barely had any people in the room. And in that day, there was the stand-in gynae, who was a really, really great gynae, so shout out to her, um, and a midwife, uh, and me, basically. Three of us with my wife, who is now really, really in pain, uh, and we are literally seeing the waves of contractions coming. And I had to be part of the birthing process. So it was as dramatic as you can imagine, uh, I literally held up one of Irene's legs to help her through it. Uh, and I had to quite quickly understand how to read the graph where you would understand where the waves were coming and, and I had to learn immediately on the spot from the guy who was there in the room the breathing technique to kind of help Irene through it. It was as dramatic as you can imagine. But in that state of panic and emergency and and, and true... Um crisis uh, I, I honestly don't think I gave it much thought right the mission was simple help my wife deliver our baby as safely and as smoothly as possible and it was really a once in a lifetime first and I, I think I think being so hands-on and seeing the birth I, I know many people after this event when they learn about this story when huh, you mean you watched the baby come out uh well, it's it's really interesting how many say it with a, a, a disgust in their tone. I mean, w- were you expecting your baby to walk out or like what? I mean, this is where I, I, having been through this, am even more impressed by people who have given birth in taxis or in planes. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's very, very hard work. And I think the human body, a woman's body is really designed and created amazingly to be able to deliver a baby safely. And and that evening, our daughter, Julia Tan, was born. And Irene and I became proud parents. And it was a sight to behold. To hold a newborn baby in your hand, there, there is no experience like it. It starts with a little whimper, the loud cries, and you know the beginning of an end, but... It's, it's the start of a new journey. There's no return policy, no exchange policy. That, that was it, right? And I think that was my dramatic birth story. Um, to all the dads out there, one, one thing I would say is embrace the birth process. It's not a time to feel disgusted. It's not a time to, to feel odd. It's a time to really understand that parenting begins there, in that room. Uh, as the both of you walk through uh, a process, and I think one of the things I naturally felt was really helpless, because there was not enough that I could really do to be a part of of helping Irene bear this child for the last forty weeks, uh, and to to deliver a child, and I think holding a leg is is not even close to the amount of sacrifice that she has been going through in order to 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 bear Julia. And so I think while it was dramatic, while it was really out of the movies, it, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience for me to be there right then and then, um, to dare to say that I helped my newborn baby the moment she came out, um, to be there right and then then with the doctors and, 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 and to really be hands-on about the whole thing. It, it's truly amazing and truly an experience. I think I... I there was one really really funny scene, and I and I must I must take reference to this for you guys to understand. After the whole entire situation, basically we had to wait for, uh, some stitching to be done and for Irene to be okay and the bleeding to be stopped before we could move back to, uh, our room. And at that time, I was holding Julia in my hands, uh, and Irene and I were so happy. Um, and I looked to my left, and there was a there was a chair. Not any kind of chair. It wasn't just like a plastic chair. It was like a solid sofa chair. And I looked at it and I looked at it and I said, why is there a chair? Like, this is such a weird place to have a chair. And then we realised that that's because majority of parents, the moment they enter the hospital, go straight to the delivery suite. And so all that waiting time that we had gone through through the day as we were moved room to room and waiting here and there and running up and down... um is not normal at all i think usually what happens and again i might be wrong but usually what happens is you come in they recognize you're you're pregnant you're gonna about to give birth they bring you into a delivery suite and you chill out there for the rest of the day until the baby comes up and so that's why people spend 12 hours or so in a room Uh, but ours was more eventful than that and and it was really fun for me to kind of rewrite this story and and that was the first thing i did i tell you I, i don't know whether my wife was alive or not but the first thing i did was i cranked out my notes app and i started punching in all the timings and all the different things that we went through that day and it's finally culminated in a bit of this podcast so Thank you so much for listening to this. I know this is longer than usual. It's 20 over minutes, but it is a full story. It is a movie in the making. One day, maybe I will make a short film out of this. But again, to all the dads out there, embrace the birth process. To all the moms out there, my heart goes out to you. It is amazing what you do in order to just, you know, bear a child and, and, and to deliver a child. And if you guys have more questions about the birth, let me know. DM me at isaac i-s-a-a-c-t-j-w on instagram with your questions it was fun writing this and i'm hoping that the second one would be a great experience and hopefully not so eventful but you know less running is great but i can't wait to see my new baby and i can't wait to go through the same process again of being there in the room until the next episode this has been call me